I just wanted to sit you guys down and help you understand because until you make Jesus your Lord, the Lord of all your life, he's not your Lord at all. You guys get that? If you don't make Jesus the Lord of all your life, then he's not Lord at all. At all. So in this sermon, we need to understand that. We need to get it down in our brains, in our hearts, okay? If you guys all bow your heads and close your eyes, Heavenly Father, I thank you for just being our Lord, for being our caretaker, for being our provider. Lord, you are a good God. This is not a, a dictatorship where the dictator is all of a sudden taking the food from his people, not providing for his people, uh, being authoritative in a sense of ruling over us and, and not giving us love. No, this is a loving Father who's Lord over us. That's who you are, God. So I pray that we would never forget that. And in this word, I pray that it would speak to all our hearts, everyone in here, that we would take survey of our life, God, take account of everything that we've done simply like we did last week, and we would make sure that you are the Lord of all of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's just make sure we understand what we're talking about here. What does that say under all in, right? On the count of three. One, two, three. It's weak, weak. One, two, three. Lord of all. Lord of all. Okay? Lord of all. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a thing we're going to get into, but the first thing we learned about was who's worth. Joseph, who's worth? First week of this sermon series, what did we talk about two weeks ago? Who's worth? The Lord. Amen. Amen. Good. Someone said it back there. Shout it out. Was that you, Deanna? Who's worth? His worth. Everybody say his worth. Then we learned how to count our money, right? Rack it up. No, what did we learn how to count? Jeremiah. Man, I already knew you were going to talk, bro. Everybody count the what? Count the what? Count the what? The cost, right? Today we're going to learn how about, dang, these lights are bright. Goodness gracious. I'll pull this back right here. Being blinded. Whew. Is this the, the normal light every week? Wow, okay, just seemed to, maybe because last week we had different lights. All right, all right, awesome. So today we're going to be talking about how he's the Lord of all, right? This sermon series and all in, I hope it is challenging you. I hope it is literally like you're leaving here and you're wondering if you're saved. Not that I want you to question your salvation, but I want you to examine your faith. I want you to really ask yourself, do I believe what I believe. It's something that I have to ask myself every day. Every day. When I talk to somebody rude and I'm mean to them, do I really believe what I believe? If I believed what I believed, I would care for that person. I would love for them. I would be stern with them, but I would make sure there was grace. Did I forgive this person? If I believe what I believe and Jesus forgave all my debts and died for me, I would forgive them. If I really believe what I believe, then I would have my whole life structured by the words of Christ. That means everything. The way I wake up, when I go to bed, how I talk to my parents, when I do my homework, how I do my homework, how I, my attitude towards my teachers, my friends, the thoughts that I just simply think about. I would make sure if I believe what I believe, it was actually real, Gio, if it was actually real, how would I actually live then? 
And this is what I want us to really get in all in, right? Is that if we're, all, if we're not all in, we're probably all out. You cannot serve Jesus with part of your heart. You know what we call that? A traitor. Uh, I was just watching Stranger Things, season three, right? And the governor of that town, he was a traitor. Oh, gosh, I probably spoiled it for some of you. Okay. Hey, listen, I just want to let you know that's not much of a spoiler. You already know he's kind of bogus within the second episode. It's all good, Kelvin. You know what? I'll just tell you about the whole story later. But here's the thing, right? There's a guy. He's a traitor, okay? He's working with another person that's not a good character, right? But he's still trying to reap the benefits of being on the good side. So we cannot do that. We cannot be here when Jesus is over there and be like, well, you know, let me just get this joy. Let me get this peace from Jesus' kingdom. Let me go to the kingdom of God, take this, you know, love. And all in the same time, our hearts are with Satan because we still want what he can give. You see, you have to either be all in or you're all out. You either have to be in Jesus' kingdom or you're in Satan's kingdom. And Satan's kingdom may look real nice. It may have a basketball hoop, right, where you worship, you worship basketball every day. You know, it may have drugs where you get high every day, you get drunk every day. It may have the best type of jokes you've ever seen in your life. You can decorate your kingdom how you want to decorate it, right, but it's still Satan's kingdom. It's made to look like your kingdom. You're, it's look, the whole time, you're looking like you're doing you, but the whole time, you're doing what Satan wants you to do, and that's what happens when you're in his kingdom. So this is what happens. We must submit everything we have to the Lord of all because he's just that, the Lord of all. All that you have in your possession and all that your neighbor has in his possession, matter of fact, all that the earth has in its possession and all that it exists, belongs to him. He's the Lord of it. He is not only worth more than anything, if we can go to Matthew 13, 44 to 46. He's not only worth more than everything. This is a parable really quickly. I want to speak to you guys. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, right? And then he, his, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. So he found a treasure, he was like, dang, I don't got money to buy this treasure, and if people see me, they won't want to take it. I'm going to hide it, come back, sell everything I have just for the field to get the treasure. It wasn't even the field. It was the treasure. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Everybody say treasure. So this is, his, this is the kingdom of God. It is like treasure. It is like treasure. Remember when you're little and you always saw that thing that you go, you know, you go to the beach and you have that metal detector? I always wanted to do that when I was little because I wanted to find treasure. Little do I know, bless you, little do I know, right? I found treasure in the gospel, right? You stumbled upon, you, you didn't go searching for Jesus. Let's just be honest. Jesus came searching for you. You didn't just all of a sudden be like, I'm a Christian now. No, it was like you all of a sudden were like, whoa, this Jesus is so good. I got to have it. I got to have Jesus. I got to have the kingdom of God. This life, I don't want to live this life anymore. 
So you go and you, 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 you give your life away, right? To, you give your life away and you give your soul to Jesus. You deny yourself and say, this is what I want. This is my treasure now. This is my treasure now. So we have to understand the worth of the kingdom of God and how he is worth it all. He is worth more than anything, more than worth a field, more than worth anything you can buy a field with. And his kingdom is as well. But he has authority over everything as well. Everybody say authority. You know, you know, anybody got a scary principle? Anybody? I had a scary principle. She was, she was very scary. Actually, vice principle. The, the, the vice principle was scary. She would come out of nowhere, and she'd give this mean look. Like, she looked like she hasn't smiled in, like, five years. And she would just look at you like. And I'll be like, oh, my goodness, yo. I would make sure I had my life in check when she looked at me, right? Or some of us got a mom like that. Where we're playing video games till 2 a.m. We're trying to keep it quiet. We got the volume turned down. We got our headphones in. We're whispering. We're like, oh, dang it. Oh, gosh. Oh, dude, what the? And then all of a sudden, we hear, and we hear those, those, that, that five foot four woman with the most power in that household. She comes in, boom, knocks through the door. She starts screaming. Your friends are like, oh my gosh. You're like, oh, dude, oh, snap. Rips the cord out, and then that's it. You're done. You're grounded for a week, right? But when she looks at you and she comes in, you're like, oh my gosh. At that point, she could do whatever she wanted to me, wanted to do to me, and it still wouldn't be bad. Even if she murdered me right now, she probably will. You know, you just, you just that look, right? Just that look, because you know she has authority. That's what I'm talking about. But imagine this, right? Jesus has authority better than that, greater than that, right? Greater than the police, man. I know when I'm driving, and you can ask my wife. I could be just driving at the speed limit. Everything's up to date. The minute I see the police, I'm like, oh, snap. Like, I've never done drugs in my life, never done anything. I don't got nothing on my record, but I'm like, oh, snap. I put two hands on the wheel, nine to two, and I'm like, man, what is going on? They're after me. I'm telling you, they're going to, oh, and then they stop randomly. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. And then she's like, you're not even doing anything. Stop. I'm like, that's it. We're done, babe. You know, and, and it's, this is it. It's because they have an authority that the minute they're around you, you understand it. You know they're in control. They have some type of rule in that place. Okay? So here's the thing. If we go to Matthew 28, uh, verse um, 18, is that Jesus has authority over everything, he, Jesus, is the Lord of all. So if you didn't know by now, the Lord we're talking about is Jesus. But we need to know if he's our personal Lord. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Jesus being Lord of all, no matter if you're an atheist, a Buddhist, a Muslim. But then also, flipping it back on us as if he is our personal Lord. So Matthew 28, uh, 16 through 18 says this. Then Jesus came to them, to them as the disciples. Everybody say, Disciples. I got any disciples in this place. Come on, make some noise. Amen. If you didn't make noise, go and see Lawrence right now, man. He, we got this song that we like, Radical for Jesus. You need to be blasted with that awesome song. But no, in all seriousness, how many disciples we got in this place? We should, everybody should be raising their hand, right? Amen. If you're not raising your hand, you know what? That's honesty. I'll take that, right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who's the me? Jesus. So all authority in heaven and on earth, right? So here's heaven, here's earth. Everything in between and everything that's there and there, it belongs to Jesus. It's all him. He's Lord of it all. He's Lord of it all. 
Well, oh, you mean, you mean even, even like the places where there's no Christians? Yes, he's Lord over there. You mean even my principal who's an atheist, my teacher who's, who's, a, who's this and who's that, even, even the girl? No, no, everybody, everybody, listen, everybody from your dog to your grandma, they're under Jesus' lordship. He's Lord of them all. Listen, you right now, you are allowed to live because of Jesus' lordship. He's allowing you to live. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he puts kings in their thrones. That they're, the, the government, you may think, oh, it's messed up. It's broken, dude. Oh, my gosh. We're out of control. Like, what's the world going to do? Listen, Jesus is in control. He's on his throne. He's Lord of it all. And he's going to work everything out for our good, that, for those that at least are called to his purpose and love him. You see, Jesus, he's in control of everything. He's not worried. When there's war breaking out, Jesus is still on his throne, Lord of heaven to earth. When there's murder on the loose and people are getting shot up in schools and there's a guy driving a Woodfield Mall killing people, guess what? Jesus is still Lord of all. He's still Lord of it all, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. So this is what I have to say. When Christ now says something, when he says something, anything, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. So when the Lord of the universe tells you, angel, tells you, Nisic, tells you, DeAndre, tells you, T-Rex, to repent or you will perish, this is not a suggestion. This is a command. When he tells you to love your neighbor as yourself, he's not saying, well, you can love, you can like, you don't have to like them to love them. No, he's saying you must love them. You must love them as I have loved them. And matter of fact, as I have loved you. That's what we learned last week in the ambassadors that Jesus is commanding us to love other people as he loved us. That's, that's not a suggestion. You see, we as Christians cannot get blinded by this comfortability, by this awesome, like, freedom that we have to go home and play video games and be lazy and be bored and, and play video games and basketball and do homework. We think, hey, everything's cool, but we don't understand there's a spiritual battle happening from this place to that place, from heaven to earth. There's a spiritual battle you ever notice when you're doing good, then all of a sudden there's the distraction that pops up? You're like, dang, man, I was doing good. Then all of a sudden I was hit with this distraction. There's a battle happening, guys. There's a battle. And if we're not on this side with the Lord, we're losing this battle. We can take courage as Christians, as believers, to understand no matter what is going on, Jesus is still Lord of all. He still has authority over heaven and earth, anything in between, everything that's been created. That means authority over every nation, right? Think of some crazy nation right now. Throw them at me. Israel, right there. He has authority over them. Where? Saudi Arabia? Authority over there. Jordan, authority over there. North Korea, authority over there. It does not matter. Every nation. Think about a crazy state right now. What's the state you want to go to? California, all crazy. They're, they're pooping in the streets. What happened? Who, what else? What other? Alabama, real racist down there, I hear. Tennessee, Florida, New Orleans. It doesn't matter. Jesus is Lord. Throw a city at me outside of Chicago. Detroit, Lord over there. 
New York, Lord over there with them killing babies just right before you get out the womb. Listen, Jesus is Lord of all. But here's the thing. Shout out to your school now. Shout out your school. Intrinsic. Taft. Taft. Schurz. Vaughn. Foreman. It does not matter. Lord, He is Lord of all. It does not matter. Now I want you to get even more personal. Your family. He's Lord of them as well. Your mama don't want you serving Jesus. Well, guess what? He's your Lord too, mama. I'm going to love you till you meet him. So this is what happens. Your brothers don't serve Jesus. Your friends don't serve Jesus. You have to understand just because they're turned off by the gospel does not mean that they don't fall under his lordship. He's still Lord. And everybody, everybody, everybody here say everybody. 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 They need to know this. They need to know this. If we go to verse 19 to 20, so we know that Jesus is Lord of all. Everything, everyone fall under his lordship. What does he say next after that? He says, therefore, go. Therefore, 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 this is not a suggestion. This is a command. He's saying, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. How many of you were just baptized this last baptism? We, got, we had a lot of people. We had, we had Sarah. We had Noah. We had Malia. We had Elijah. We had who else? Who else? We had Jorge if he was here. Yep, yep. We had a lot of people getting baptized. Why? Because we believe this. And we believe that we need to teach them to obey everything I command you. Disciples. What does that mean? What does that mean? That we make followers of Christ... That follow you as you follow Christ. Yes, you are, the minute you become a disciple of Christ, you are a role model. Matter of fact, you're more of a role model than any celebrity you know. You're more of a role model than any president. You're more of a role model. You are held to the highest standards of standards. You are held to the standard of Christ. That means as you follow him, others must follow you so they get to know him. And once they know him, they make disciples themselves. And this In this, you have to be holy. Everybody say holy. Holy. You have to be humble. Everybody say humble. Humble. You have to be teachable. Everybody say teachable. Teachable. There is no disciple of Christ making disciples that is living in sin. None. There is no prideful Christian that's actually making disciples. There are many Christians, many denominations and churches that treat Christianity in this stage and everything like a show. They're in sin. They need to repent. This is, this is about all it's always been about is this right here. It's never been about what, get, what you can get out of. It's never been about how you feel. It's never been about anything. We'll get to your feelings and everything later, but the first thing it's been about is this go. It's always been about this. That is why the church is still around almost 2,000 and, and 100 years later, right? That's why. It's because of this go. This go right here started it all. Then you have to baptize them. This is showing the world who loves Jesus. This is showing the world that you're saying, hey, I don't care about anything. I'm a disciple. I heard his call, and I followed him, and I'm going to make a disciple out of you. That is literally what you're doing when you're going into that water. You are, it's a symbol of the old man coming in and getting washed clean and the new man coming out, this new man that looks like Jesus. 
It is how when Jesus was lifted up on the cross, buried, and then he came out after three days. You see, and then you teach them to obey everything that he has commanded them. You are not saying, hey, I'm going to disciple you to make you a better person, Jeremiah. Hey, you know, Josiah, come after my wing, dude. I'm going to make you like Lecrae right now. Hey, Olivia, listen, I'm going to make sure that you're the most uh, best singer ever and you're the best worshiper ever. No, 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 no. No, you're, you're not doing anything but teaching them how to live like Jesus. You see, that is what it's all been about. You see, if the whole world was like Jesus, we wouldn't have wars. We wouldn't have poverty. We wouldn't have any of those things. If you right now, angel, were like Jesus, and everybody that gives you a problem in this world were like Jesus, you would have no problems. You would have no problems. Bree, if, if your whole family, the school that you go to and your neighborhood was like Jesus, there'd be no problems. None. None. Because this is the kingdom of God, and it's coming, and we'll get there soon. But again, this is not an option for the disciples of Christ. For anyone that claims to be a disciple, this is your purpose of living. This is your purpose of living. When you get out of high school and you get into college, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be trying to get you into pyramid schemes. They're going to be like, hey, man, dude, join my business, bro. I'm going to teach you how to be a big money maker, bro. Dude, you got to tell that man, dude, sit down, bro. And they all, they all spend all their money on one suit that they wear every single event. Listen, no, get out of here. You, get, you teach me how to be a big money maker, that money is going to be gone after I die. Who does it belong to? The Bible says that you store, up, you store up money just to give it to somebody else. If you don't got anybody that you can trust for your money, you know who takes your money? The government. It's useless. Oh, man, I'm going to teach you how to, like, you know, I'm going I'm to make you a better basketball player. That's my purpose, to be a basketball player. Hey, my purpose is to be an artist. Listen, does anybody know... Who made uh, the Mona Lisa? No, he didn't. No. Matter of fact, the Mona Lisa painting, one of the most famous paintings ever, you can correct me if I'm wrong on Google, last time I checked, unknown. Unknown. You can check right now, fact check me. Fact check me. Anybody know who made the thinker? The thinker? You know how hard it is? It's one of the most famous things ever. Anybody know who built this church? The answer's not Jesus. Probably was Jesus or something. I don't know. You don't know. So this is, this is the thing, right? Listen, your purpose is not about being remembered, leaving a legacy, doing anything that you can do to make the most money. Your purpose, if you are a disciple of Christ, is to follow this goal wherever it leads. Wherever it leads, wherever this go is saying, you go. You listen. Because Jesus is not into you making best friends and being nice. He's into conquest. It is a conquest of love. It is where now every nation will bow their knee because the love of God is so great that it destroys every, every doubt, every distraction, every sin. You see, this is how the nations were conquered. Did you know that most of the Muslim countries now... When the church was relevant, when the church was actually doing this, they were Christian countries. Matter of fact, white people didn't get a hold of the gospel until after black people did. Dude, Asians got a touch of the gospel before white people did. So when I hear that talk about white people being the, perp the right, uh, Christianity being the white man's religion, it's a lie. Listen, it wouldn't, it's not the black man's religion, the white man's religion. It's none of that religion. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. 
And it is a conquest of love. Listen, some of us, we don't want to offend our neighbor. I get it. We got a Muslim friend. We don't want to tell him that his, you know what they used to call Muhammad? All his friend, all his peers, they called him Madman Muhammad. Everyone that was a contemporary of Muhammad, they looked back at his ways, his teachings. They called him a madman. You know, you know Gandhi? You, you know about Gandhi? Yeah, did you know that he used to sleep with girls all types of ages just to test if he was strong enough? Oh, you got a nine-year-old girl? Let me sleep with her, see if I don't lust after her. That's Gandhi. You ever heard of Buddha? He, you know how he started his, his conquest for truth? He left his wife and his children. He called them a ball and chain. Listen, everyone that is outside of this kingdom is wicked. Do not be fooled. Everyone that is outside of this kingdom is wicked. Don't be a fool. Does that mean all of a sudden you look at them different? Like, hey, man, oh, snap, I can't trust you because, uh, yeah, you're not in this kingdom. No, we don't act like that. Because this go is the, this kingdom has wheels. It's going. It's going. It's going to the worst places where we don't just all of a sudden pinpoint sin, but we love them. We love them. Matter of fact, you know what true religion is according to Christianity? It's caring for widows and orphans, people that will never pay you back. You see, what Christians used to do in the first century was they would take the worst of the worst, the broken of the broken, the deserted, and they didn't care about how much money they had. Matter of fact, they didn't even have clothes probably. They were half naked in Greece. They didn't have anything to take a shower. They smelled bad, and they would take them, and they would clothe them. They would teach them the Bible, and they would adopt them. Because this is exactly what Christ did for us. It is a conquest of love. You see, every nation, every person, every school, every state, God is looking after their hearts, and he wants to be their personal Lord. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter their intelligence. Intelligence is folly compared to the Lord's foolishness. It does not matter anymore about what they are, who they are, what they did. The only thing that matters is, are they in this kingdom? And if they're not, how do I get them here? How, how do I have to love them? How do I have to preach them? That's all that matters now. It doesn't matter about you being their best friend, respecting their values and traditions. No, screw all their family values and traditions. They're all going to burn in hell, the family traditions and values. Oh, you know, they, play, they pray to saints. That's what they do. Tell them that's idolatry. They need to repent and love them. That's it. We don't need to be scared. We don't. And before I get to why, I need to, I need to make sure that you have counted the cost, you've seen his worth, and you have yielded. That means you have, you have not withheld anything from Jesus. You have not. He is the Lord of all in your life. You have to make sure that. Is he the Lord of all in your life? Because if he's not, you are against him. You are against him. So we want to get that perf- perfectly straight right now. Heaven and earth, anything in between. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. So ask yourself, are you all in? Are you all in? Are you all into this kingdom? Are you a traitor? Are you, are you like a double agent spy or something? Are you working for the devil but confessing with your mouth that you love Jesus? Think about that, guys. Because at the end, that's all that's going to matter is if your confession matched what was in your heart. You see, you can fool me, you can fool your neighbor, but you will never fool God. Is the Lord your personal Lord? Everybody say all in.
Is the Lord your personal Lord? Anybody ever heard of, when you ask someone, hey man, so how do you get saved? What do people usually say? I want to hear some, some, some answers. I'm waiting for my evangelist, right? What, what happens when you ask someone, hey, are you born again? What do they usually say? Everybody listen, because you might be saying this too. You got to check yourself. Okay. Have you, ever heard, have you ever heard this? I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Have you ever heard of that? I just want to let you know that's nowhere actually directed in the Bible. That's a fruit. That's a product of when you're actually born again. You see, this kingdom of God, you're not, you can't buy the kingdom of God. So, Sean, you can't come in here and drop a $100 bill and be like, yeah, I'm saved. Look at how much I tithe. Um, T-Rex, you can't come in here and be like, well, man, Amy, man, that's my mama. I'm saved. I'm part of this kingdom of God, right? There's no way you can get in it by, by popularity, by money. There's no way ever. Jeremiah, you got swag right now, but your swag can't get you in the kingdom of God either. See, nothing you do... Or anything, anyone you know can get you in the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, the kingdom of God is an inheritance. Everybody say an inheritance. So just like Donald Trump, he was, he was always rich, just to be honest. Like when everybody says he inherited $1 million from his father. And he grew it, of course. But here's the whole thing is that we have a greater inheritance. It's the kingdom of God. Once you're born again, you have to be, that's how you're born into this kingdom. There's no way around it. Jesus said he is the gate. You can try to come in through religion, try to come in through good works. Some of us are like, man, I'm friends with everybody here, so I must be part of the kingdom of God. Nope. You have to be born again, born into this family. When that happens now, you're part of the kingdom of God He's the Lord of your life, the Lord of your ambitions, the Lord of your thoughts, the Lord of everything. I'm not with, I'm not, not me with the mic. So if God is calling you to do something, all of a sudden I say no. Listen, I got to make sure I'm hearing from the Lord. You got to, of course, you listen to elders and all that stuff, but Jesus is your Lord. Jesus is your Lord. He tells you where to go and you go. Reading a book about this lady called Heidi Baker, she went to Mozambique where there was war. Literally, her van, her truck stops. And right before that, literally, soldiers are running. Uh, her car broke down right before a war zone. And her soldiers are running. She hears booms, bombs, and everything. And literally, there's a war zone right there. She goes there because Jesus put it on her heart to go to India, to Mozambique, and London. Random places, right? Well, that's, that's his go. She ends up trying to, uh, you know, help the orphans. The orphans there, they're in this little warehouse where they have no toilets, nothing. They poop, they fight, they steal. They're like what people call little devils. They don't want them. Everyone, every Christian says, don't go there. Go to good churches with youth that are already saved, that already know Jesus, that are church kids. But she heard the go and she went. All her ambitions, all her, all her uh, dreams and destinies, all that has to come under the Lord of lords, the Lord of all. And that's the same for you. If you go to Luke 9, 26, some of us, we don't care about this because we're ashamed. Everybody say ashamed. Imagine if you had the richest king. You, had the, you were part of the richest country, the most peaceful country, the most joyous country, a country where a king would, uh, the president would lay his life down for uh, security. 
and Walmart, right? Like, you know how people are supposed to jump in, in the line and then jump in the line of gunfire for the president? What if we had a president who jumped in the line of gunfire for other people? See, this is the kingdom of God, where the Lord of lords, the Lord of all, came to die for us. See, would anyone be ashamed of this, this country? Would we want to leave this country? When people ask, where are you from, right, would we be embarrassed? Would we be ashamed? Some of us in this room are. We have a God who loves with an undying love. We have a people that love him and love others. There's no other religion that has produced more charities than the Christian religion. Matter of fact, you know your schools? We wouldn't even have schools if it wasn't for Christianity. Harvard, Yale, all those universities, they were Christian. Science, you ever heard of the the scientific method? Francis Bacon, Christian. He didn't invent bacon, though. Here's the thing. We have no reason to be ashamed of what we've done and accomplished as Christians. I'm going to tell you the real reason why you're ashamed in front of your friends, of being a Christian, of being afraid. It's because you're ashamed of Jesus. Not just what Jesus did, you're ashamed of the person, Jesus Christ. So we refuse to speak about Jesus. We refuse to live for Jesus, live with Jesus, to live like Jesus. We refuse to have anything to do with Jesus in the public area. We're embarrassed. We're ashamed. If we were to see Jesus right now, we'd be like, oh, Jesus, how could anyone crucify you? But yet you're acting just like Peter once he was crucified. You're turning your face away from him. You're denying him. It's, it's, it's a thing that many people do that claim to be Christians, but it's a severe thing. Because if you, whoever's ashamed of me and my words, sometimes we're afraid to say what Jesus said. Amen? Are you guys afraid to say what Jesus said? That's a big thing. What if your friend is, uh, is getting um, a sex change? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden... All of a sudden, he asked, hey, what do you think? What are you going to say? Oh, man, well, whatever makes you happy. You're going to be like, hey, man, listen, bro, that's you. It's your, it's your life. It's your body. Do we want? What if you're your girl, right? Whether it be your girlfriend, as in your friend that's a girl, or one of your other friends. She's like, I got pregnant. I'm going to get this abortion. Can you take me? Can you give me the money? If you're my friend, will you do that? Are you going to talk about Jesus, how Jesus, you know, he said of the children, he said that kingdom of God belonged to such as these. Are you going to tell him, no, those, that person in your womb, that, the kingdom of God belongs to him. What are you going to do when all of a sudden one kingdom conflicts with another kingdom? What are you going to do when your own personal interests, your own personal views, your friend's personal views... They conflict with the teachings of Jesus. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when your friends are like, hey, man, you can sin and just, just sin with me. Do this, right? And ask for forgiveness later. When they start to mock you, when they start to do all those things, are you going to be ashamed of your Lord and Savior? Now, listen, I'm not saying to start roasting people. I'm not saying that. But have you ever heard of what Jesus said to the woman at the well? Did you ever hear about what he said to the woman who was caught in adultery? 
Did you ever hear about what he said to the, to the blind, to the deaf, to the mutes? You see, this is what we need to do. We need to understand the words of Jesus. We need to not be ashamed of anything he said. If we go back to the verse, if you guys could all stand up and I can have uh, Lawrence and Karina come in closing. Or just, just Lawrence, sorry. He says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. When he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. You see, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, and this time it's not going to be to die. Jesus is coming, and it's not to be a friend of sinners, but he's coming to judge sinners now. He's coming to rule now. You see, the kingdom of God has always been, right, what does the verse say? Taken, stolen, robbed, right, Lawrence? Right? Remember when Jesus was saying that? When the kingdom of God has been neglected? Because everyone that was preaching the kingdom of God and the coming of the Messiah, they were being killed and brutalized and persecuted. Did you know in, in China right now, they replaced the Ten Commandments and the dictator put his quotes there? That's China. They're being persecuted. They're being arrested. There's going to be a day now when Jesus comes and the believers, the children of God, the ones that were a part of the coming kingdom, right, that is already here, but now it's being established, they're going to rejoice. But then the people on this side are going to be more afraid than anything. They're going to be begging for rocks to fall from the sky and fall on their head. They're going to be begging to die because of the fear. You may think, man, that's wrong. That's Jesus. Jesus is love. Yes, Jesus is love. But he cannot be a God of love without justice. You see, if you were a criminal and you killed my family, I would be waiting for the judge to just say those words, you being sentenced to death. I would love you. I would pray for you. I would preach to you. But there's this thing called justice. And if not death, you need to go to jail. You see, what Jesus was able to do is he was able to fulfill the justice of God. But yet we're not satisfied. We still love our sin. We're still ashamed of him. So he's coming with his angels and he's going to judge the world in righteousness. That means it's going to be completely fair. That means your best friend, you never tell, uh, tell them about Jesus because you're afraid to hurt their feelings because they're gay or they're, they're, they've had a couple abortions or they always get mad. Or that means your mom, right, who you love so much because she's so great. She's a Catholic and she prays the saints and she goes to church every once in a while. And she doesn't really believe in Jesus, but your family before her did. And you're like, no, mom, this is so much greater. But she gets mad, so you stop. There's an issue. We're ashamed, and we need to repent, because if we're, if we're ashamed of him now, he's going to be ashamed of us. So if I can have my altar workers up here, please. Listen, I'm going to make it really simple. In this altar call, anyone that has not made Jesus their Lord... They have not been born again. They've said, Jesus, you own everything about me. You are my everything. Everything you say, everything you do, I want to be a part of that. 
If, you have, if Jesus is not your Lord, this altar calls for you. And I encourage you to come up. That means if what you say doesn't fall in line with what Jesus is about, you need to come up. If what you think is not about what Jesus is about, you need to come up. And so on and so on. But if we can go to verse 20, please. This is my encouragement for all of you that hear the go. That hear the go. That are saying, okay, God, I'm going to do the go. I'm going to go. Wherever you send me. He says this, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You see, what is the promise? What is the promise is that when you do this, you are with Jesus. Oh, you're with Jesus. You're not with a religion. You're not with some type of crazy thing. You're not with the movements. You're not with any of that. You're with the very presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. So, guys, the altar call is re- open for you. You guys can come. Listen, the altar is open. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to go, if you want to be all in, you want to make the Lord the Lord of all your life, this is it. This is it. Play a little bit softly in the background. Listen, guys, like I said last week, when we're following something, that thing is moving. Jesus is going. Where is he going? Wherever Jesus is going, I want to follow him. Wherever you're going, Lord, begin to pray that. Pray some bold prayers. Where are you sending me, Jesus? I want to go. Who are you sending me to? I want to go. Listen, Jesus is not going to let you just stay playing video games every day, living your ordinary life. Jesus is going to have you preaching. Jesus is going to have you teaching. He's going to have you healing people, bringing in people that are broken, that are lost. Where is Jesus calling you right now? I want two people right now. I want you guys to start praying. I want you guys to start praying. I don't know who it is, but I'm going to call. I want, I want you to come up when you're ready, and I want you to pray about the place and the people that God is sending you to. Some of you are called to other countries. Some of you are called to other cities. There is a place that's on your heart. There is a people that is on your heart. Jesus has put it on your heart. Why? It's because he wants you to go there and bring the kingdom of God. Come on, how many of you have decided to follow Jesus and you're not turning back no matter where he's going? Hallelujah.